I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Championship Roundtable. I'm your host, Jake Jackman, and you can reach the show by emailing us at championshiproundtable at gmail.com. Hello, my name is Louis Shackshaft. I represent Sheffield Wednesday on the podcast and write for Shoot Football, also representing Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, you can catch me on Twitter. It's just uh, my name, at Louis Shackshaft. Hi, I'm Andy Buckley-Taylor, representing Derby County on the, po- on the podcast. Um, I write a blog for various uh, Derbyshire local newspapers, and you can find me on Twitter at BookTaylor64. Thanks so much for joining us today, guys. We'll start making the rounds where each of us have a few minutes to discuss what's been happening at our clubs this week. We'll start with you, Louis. You got a good win on Friday night against Birmingham. Talk us through the week at Wednesday. Uh, Yeah, so like you say, we won 3-0 that night uh, on Friday, just gone. Um, Decent performance, was at home. It was good to see, uh, obviously, under the lights at Hillsborough again. We've we've played a few away games over the last month. Um, So, yeah, can't complain. A 3-0 victory. Uh, we, we were the better team. I don't think the scoreline reflected the game, to be honest. Uh, Birmingham had a, had a good period, a good 40-minute period, where they, they, they could have scored a few goals. Um, they did hit the post three times, although once that was off Sam Hutchinson's shoulder, I believe. Um, but for me, Birmingham just seemed to lack the confidence in the final third. Um, like I say, they, they did have a bit of run of play. Um we took our chances, we scored at right time, like Rhodes scored early on. Um, and then obviously when they were coming at us, we, we, we scored another goal through Winnall. Um, and, and we just seem to have that touch of class now. Like I say, we, I've mentioned Rhodes and Winnall already, but they, they seem to look decent up front as a pairing. Um, another great thing, and I know I mention it on the podcast all the time, but another clean sheet for Wednesday. I mean, you can't complain defensively again. Uh, that's 458 minutes since we've actually conceded a goal at Hillsborough, which is phenomenal in this league really in the championship um our home form again it's 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 been key and that's what's that's what's keeping us in in the playoff spots at the minute um winning again at Hillsborough so we've actually got with 16 games remaining we've got nine at home um so we're hoping that's going to give us that push where we can I think obviously top two is out of our reach now, but you know we keep going and find that form before we do get in the playoffs if we make it, hopefully. Um, but for me, regarding the game, debut performances by Fox, Winnall and Rhodes were all absolutely outstanding. Other than probably Sam Hutchinson, I'd say they were the three better players on the pitch uh, on the evening. Um, it was good to see, obviously, Rhodes and Winnall both score. Uh, Rhodes celebrated with his dad which was good to see um it's nice to have a you know a bit of passion uh when scoring and celebrating with his father obviously and and that's something what a lot of clubs miss is just that little bit of um like I say passion and drive in relation to um 
you know, being family orientated club. Uh, so that was definitely good to see. Yeah, you've, you've spoken a lot about how you needed strikers before the January transfer window, and you've obviously got two in. Uh, do you think they're going to help you sort of stabilise your position in the top six? Because you have only lost twice since the 5th of November in the league. So, I mean, it's not, you're, you're very difficult to beat. It just seems that getting those goals to, to win games were, were the problem. Do you think it's solved now? Yeah, I don't see why not. I mean, th- th- there were an issue that we had uh, previous to, like, say, Christmas. And like you say, we've brought in Rhodes and Winall. We've also, I know I keep mentioning it, but we've got Fletcher, Hooper, Forestieri now. Um, so goals, goals shouldn't be an issue, you know, going forward. So it was definitely nice to see them both score on their home debuts as such. Um, and, and I know previously we've dis- discussed about how they are going to fit into the squad. Well, I've been thinking about this question for a while and the, the good thing is in, in a game you think of the first 11 but obviously 14 players can play on, on a night and, and, and if one of them is not performing he's, he's going to be forced to make a change and I'm guessing uh, Forestier is going to find himself more out on the left and then you've got four strikers there who are going to be fighting for you know, a, a position in the starting 11 and, and, and Rhodes is probably the main one who, who will be finding him Um playing every game and then obviously there's three others where they're going to be fighting for that position so yeah goals from now on shouldn't be an issue but going back to Friday night when we played Birmingham you could definitely see that with Rhodes and Winnall it, it was just that extra little cutting edge and touch of class what actually saw us win 3-0 uh, because on another day you know without without the strikers and that quality It'd have probably have been you know we, we, we may have won but it could have been a 0-0 1-1 draw so uh, that you know, that £10 million as such, what chance he's gone and put his hand in his pocket, that's certainly made the difference. And, and that can be the difference in a game where on another day you don't win, but, you know, one opportunity or two opportunities to find the back of the net. So I certainly see us um, finishing in the playoffs now. Well, I'm still hopeful of that, but, you know, with, with the players we've brought in, it should not be a problem going forward. Talking about the playoffs, we'll move on to Derby now. Uh, a disappointing draw to, to Bristol City, despite going 3-0 down. You got it back, but I guess it's a fixture you'd have been looking to win, Andy. What were your thoughts on the, the week at Derby? Because you obviously had two games with the FA Cup replay as well. Well, yeah. I mean, starting off with the Cup replay at Leicester, uh, I, was a little, I was a little bit disappointed, actually. Not just going out, but the fact was that Ranieri had indicated... He was going to make a lot of changes to the Leicester side. So, obviously, that indicated a weakened side. So, do we capitalise on that and put out a full-strength team? No, we don't. Steve McLaren himself decides to make eight changes to the team. Um, I thought the game itself, Leicester deservedly ahead in the first half. We were pretty poor. It was a scrappy game, to be quite honest, up to that point. Second half, he came into it a bit more. Uh, fortunate to get a, a goal, a deflected free kick from Abdul Kamara. And neither side could really snatch the all-important winning goal. So we, we went into extra time. And in an extra time, we just simply we ran out of steam and we were beaten by two quality goals. And there, there were quality, no two ways about them. Very impressed by uh, Damari Gray, the, the way he took his goal which uh, basically wrapped things up for them. So we got on to yesterday, back at home, 
concentrating on the league business. Bristol City, a team which went, did they? I think they went on a, an eight-match run with, without a win recently. Um, obviously, earlier this season, they lost their star man in Jonathan Codger. Uh, they came to us, and in the first half, they absolutely spanked us. Um, it was all Bristol City, 3-0, could have been 5-0 at half-time. And, uh, well, in fact, during the uh, the first half, McLaren recognised the problems out there. We made two substitutions just after the uh, half-hour mark, which is pretty embarrassing when you're playing a struggling side. Anyway, we come out for the second half, much, much better. Um, it was Tom Ince and Darren Bent to the rescue. Bent with a flying header. Ince with a header. I've never seen him score a header for Derby before. Um, Bristol City then had a, a few chances themselves to uh, wrap the game up. Matty Taylor missing a sitter. Then right near the end, we got a penalty. Uh, Tom Ince fouled in the box. And Darren Bent just squeezing it in to uh, snatch the point. But overall, it's very disappointing. You know, we've got what, we've got one or two games coming up with teams that are around us, but we've also got a few games of the teams near the bottom, and I know they're fighting for their lives. But despite that, if you've got any ambitions to be in that top six at the end of the season, you've got to be beating the Bristol Cities. And, you know... <laughs> Very, very disappointed, although I was pleased to see the character of the side in the second half to come from three goals down. Yeah, you mentioned there the, the positives that you can take from the game. I, I've got your fixtures in front of me now, and in your next 12 matches, you're only going to face one team that is currently above you in the table. So, I mean, there's an opportunity for you to, to go on a run and, and push into those playoff places. Do you, do you think that the, the next sort of 12 games are going to be vital? Well, maybe even the next four, you've got Cardiff. Burton, Aston Villa and Blackburn, you know, if you take nine, nine or more points out of those four, then you'll put yourself in a great position. Well, yeah, I mean, there are some games, you know, there's a load of games coming up with teams below us. But, it, but if you look at them all individually, you know, Cardiff under Warnock are never to be underestimated. Aston Villa are underperforming. They, they, they've got to be getting wins at some time. The amount of money, 60-odd million pounds they've spent. Um, Burton and Albion are coming up very soon. They're fighting for the lives. I'm sure Nigel Clough's going to be wanting to put one over on us. Blackburn Rovers beat us at Pride Park earlier this season. You know, they, it's that old saying, there's no easy games in this league, but we have got to get out there. We've got to do the business against these teams. And at the minute, there's a slight doubt, um, certainly from me, it's if we have got the strength of character to go on one of these runs. Hopefully, you know, these fears are, are, are going to be unfounded. But, you know, those old signs were showing there again against Bristol City that when it comes to the home straight, we're not going to make it over the finishing line um, before... You know, there's going to be there's going to be six other teams over it before us. Yeah, it's, it's interesting hearing the, the the different views from both of you because there's only five point seven 
from the table uh, in the table, one goal on the goal difference, and you played the same amount of matches. So, I mean, it's not too much in it, and there's plenty of football to go. So, I, I, I think both both of you have, have sort of similar chances of getting to the playoffs. Maybe maybe Wednesday a little bit more advanced, but I mean, it's not too much difference from where I'm sitting. But we we'll cut we'll come on to Newcastle now. Um, so, I'm a lot more uh, sort of happy with with how things are going after sort of a tricky period around Christmas and New Year. We've um, won our last two in the league and and only you know we picked up i think it's 13 out of five matches now so we've moved ahead of brighton uh the gap between us and huddersfield in the third place is now eight uh seven points so it's a a healthy gap uh, and one that we should look to extend over the coming weeks we've got some tricky fixtures but we are the best you know we're, we're currently the best team in the league and we we shouldn't be fearful of of any teams in the league i, I mean we we see with blackburn and, and wolves before that the teams can beat us but we shouldn't be overly fearful at this stage we've got enough experience and you know a manager that knows what he's doing so i think we, we've got enough to get over the line and, and hopefully we can sort of separate from brighton as well over the, the next coming uh, the next few weeks but um talking about yesterday's game it was Sort of a typical of many of our away performances this season. We didn't play overly well. We weren't that good. I, I think it was a, quite a physical game. There weren't many chances for either side. But, you know, we we took our chance when it came. There was a hint of offside with the goal where, you know, on another day that would have been given offside. But, we, we you know, we took our chance. We, we weren't one nil up. And I think as soon as we weren't one nil up, there um, Wolves were never going to come back into the game. It's, it's the same as the Derby match last week I, I did although Derby pushed at the end I, I wasn't that worried about conceding an equalizer because under Benitez we sort of had that experience of holding games out uh, against QPR a few weeks ago we, we didn't manage to do so but that was, that was due to an, an own goal a little bit of miscommunication rather than our defense being cut open uh, we're very solid we know what we're doing and and you know it's really it's really good to watch it, it's not as entertaining as it was in the last championship season where we were maybe winning matches a bit more comfortably but you know we're getting the job done and we're top of the league it's at the moment it's that sort of awkward period between christmas and the running and it's maybe not seen as as important as as either either period but it's important to keep picking up wins and i think yesterday was the type of win that you pick up if you are going to go and win the league um Mitrovic got the goal. He's not been that good recently. Uh, he could have maybe got sent off before he scored, which which wouldn't be a surprise for people who watch him regularly because he is that type of player. Uh, he got taken off at half time, so I mean he 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 did got his goal, but uh, he's still not impressing that much. And I, I think Dwight Gale should be back for the game on on Tuesday night, so it will be interesting to see him come back in and hopefully he can push on from where he is at the moment on 20 goals because we we have missed him uh, and it's be great to see him back but we will move into the topics for today now uh, I just want to ask each of you about your manager and sort of their how they set up the team and their tactics and substitutions because each manager is obviously different in this respect and do you think that your manager has it right at the moment uh, I know Andy you've talked about the 4-3-3 and the players not maybe fit in the system as well as they have in the past on the McLaren so I just want to know what you'd maybe uh, like to see them do differently and what your thoughts are on how they set the team up and manage the team sort of on the pitch so we'll start with you on this Andy uh, as I've sort of mentioned it there what are your thoughts on McLaren and how he sort of changed things since he's come in and and is there anything you'd like to see him do uh, a little bit differently? Well, I mean, the reason the 4-3-3 isn't working as well as last time 
Um, I can give you one name, Chris Martin, who Nigel Pearson decided in his wisdom to let go on a season loan to Fulham. And to me, the, because of how Steve McLaren has tried to bring Chris Martin back early, just to me demonstrates how one-dimensional he is. Because that style of play, Chris Martin does all the hold-up play, chips in with goals and that. And it's as if there's no other player anywhere that can uh, play in that role. And, you know, to me, a good manager can play more than one formation. You know, 4-3-3, it's all very well. It's very pretty when things are going well. But there are certain types of manager that look at that. And if they think it's going to be a problem, we'll just park the bus, time waste, you know, play the negative football. And, and, and it, 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 it's effective when these managers uh, get it right. What uh, we would like to see, because we've got an £8 million striker who couldn't even get on the bench yesterday, what I would like to see in the summer is a bit of planning, a bit of planning ahead. Come on, let's, let's get uh, two or three signings that can allow us to play in an alternative formation. You know, a 4-4-2. Um, we, we have flirted with 4-2-3-1, but we are stuck on 4-3-3. And whilst we're playing that formation, there's some players at the club that are disenfranchised. They cannot, you cannot play Matei Vidra as a lone striker. If you've got the players that allow you to play a 4-4-2, you know, we wouldn't necessarily have to bring a striker in because Chris Martin's coming back next season anyway. So a couple of uh, beefy midfielders and a natural wide man, you know, that could do the trick. But, uh, you know, but it's, it's all too one-dimensional, too predictable and you know we, we need a bigger bag of tricks than what we've got at the moment ready to pop the question the jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds and they're ready to ship to your door Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah, I just want to ask you a question about the substitutions as well. You mentioned yesterday McLaren changed it early. Do you think that he uses his bench as well as he can do, or or is he maybe too too slow or uh, makes the changes at the wrong times? Well, I think because we haven't got the firepower up front that we did have under him previously, he's been a little bit more conservative about his substitutions. During his first spell, if we were needing a goal, he would he would throw attacking players on. 
he would trust the, the defence to do its job. But now we're getting to a stage where if we're leading in a game, he's playing a little bit more defensively. I mean, against Reading, um, when the game was, it was at the 3-2 and Reading were pushing, trying to, you know, get an equaliser. We had six defenders on the field. So I think it's a knock-on effect of not being as lethal in front of goal. Don't forget a couple of seasons ago, we were the division's top scorers. Um, it's, it's added a bit more to the pressure, you know, as you go down the other side of the pitch. And his substitutions are not quite the same as, as what they were then, if, if, if you catch my drift. <laughs> Uh, and moving on to Wednesday with you now, Louis. Uh, I, I, from from me as as a neutral, I see Wednesday as sort of a team that sets up four four two with two solid banks of four that are very well organised. Uh, is that sort of how you play most of the time? Or is, as Carver, how does he ever change it up and, and try different things? What are your thoughts on how he sort of manages the tactical side of the game? Yeah, you're completely right. We we always typically set up in a four four two formation. Uh, obviously, we uh, two up top. Um, depends who's going to play up uh, on the left wing. You've got Reach or Forestieri. I expect, I expect them both to fight for a position now on the left. Uh, people have been crying out for Forestieri because that's where he was most, most lethal last season from the left rather than up top. Uh, but obviously, with the strikers that we've got now, bringing two in in January, um, I'm sure that's where he'll find his place. And then the guys up front are going to, like I mentioned earlier, fight, fight between themselves. Um, I mean, at the minute, what he typically typically does is, if if things aren't quite going our way, he will replace uh, Wallace with McManaman to give us that extra attacking threat where possible. Uh, we've also got Jones, if need be, uh, to to you know uh, slot in if Hutchinson's <laughs> suspended or injured. Um, and we've also normally got Lee, but he's out injured. And then Bani or Abdin, Abdi in midfield, who again will be fighting for their places. But like you say, we, we play 4-4-2. To, to be critical, the, the problem we've got is we, we sometimes, when we fall behind or go 1-0 down, we don't tend to always have a plan B, especially away from home. Uh, when we're playing at home and, and we're 1-0 up and etc etc and we're, we're playing attacking, free-flowing football, it's, it's all being well. But sometimes, like I say, when, when we find ourselves 1-0 down, I, I, to be critical, I'm, I'm not sure if he knows what is best formation or how to change a game. We have got the players now. Like I say, we've bought some decent players in January. Uh, but for me, we're better than that now. We need to find a plan B. When, when we've come up against teams that have been very gritty and determined in midfield, like big central midfielders, we, we, we can be slightly bossed in midfield sometimes, especially with Bannon in the middle of the park, who's, who's obviously a, a small player. Um, and then... A good example is when we played Leeds at home. Like we were creating chances, but in midfield they they bossed us a little. And and the only time that I've seen us actually play a you know, like a dogged, determined, uh, like gritty performance is when we played Newcastle away. Actually, Jake and and you know we we went there and and we kicked you around a little and and came away with the points. Normally we set up to just play the like I say free flowing football. Uh, and and look at playing attacking football and and, and go one nil up. But like I say, if if we were to go one nil down at any point, it it seems like he just needs to find a plan B. Uh, and I'm hoping, like you know, like I say, with the players we've brought in, we've got such as McManaman, Abdi, 
uh, Hooper, Fletcher, um, players like that to bring on now and, and, and hopefully change a game. But it's it's something where it's just been a little underlying problem, like I say, when, when we've gone behind in games. Yeah, one thing I'd like to mention about Carver Howell from how I see him is that he, he seems to be very good at setting up for big matches. Uh, he seems to be good at sort of getting his team teams well organised and knowing exactly how to play to get a result. And it may be against the smaller teams that he struggles somewhat. I mean, this season against Newcastle, you mentioned that game, it was you were very well set up and you deservedly got the points. Uh, Huddersfield is another example. And, and even in the Brighton game, I thought you did okay. I mean, you didn't you know, get the get the win that day, but it wasn't awful. If you'd scored the penalty, it would have been completely different. So, I mean, I mean, there's a lot of room to be optimistic, especially with the playoffs seeming like your most likely destination. Uh, and last year, he, sh- he showed it against Brighton over two legs. He did excellently in, in, in that as well. So do you think that his sort of, the way he sets up for big matches, is that one of his strengths? It is. But you could also say it isn't. Because I think what he sets up is the exact same way for big matches as he does for a, a match, like you say, against a, a team lower in the league. Now, the reason I think you mentioned that we probably struggle against the teams lower in the league is because they've got respect for us now, whereas teams last season probably didn't. And we were playing, like I say, attacking football, going on and winning games. This season, when we play such as Newcastle, Brighton, um, you know, teams in and around us like Leeds and Huddersfield, they're they're going out to get the three points also. and, And they probably feel that they can beat us. And that's probably why we're doing slightly better against them teams this season is because we've got that talent now and we can come away with the points. Whereas a team probably, like you say, in the bottom half of the league, they're probably looking more for, uh, you know, not to concede, like probably looking to get a nil-nil draw, especially if it's at Hillsborough or one-all draw. And they're parking the bus a little, so we're probably finding it harder to play. Um, so that's in relation to what we said earlier regarding a plan B I think that's where we're struggling a little we're setting up in the same way but because teams are respecting us now we're, we're, we're struggling to probably break them down and it's more of a, a gritty performance where we're winning against like we did against Rotherham and Wigan we're winning 1-0 as opposed to you know going and, and free flow football where we're winning 3-4-0 it's just because the the parking the bus is such and, and they're definitely harder to break down but against the teams like like I say Newcastle Huddersfield Leeds we're, we're having a bit more success because they're that you know they're probably a bit more open at the back because they're wanting to go and win a game so I hope that makes sense but like I say it's it's a case that we're probably setting up in the same way 4-4-2 formation and once it gets to half time and 60 minutes, that's when we're making them changes depending on how the game's going. It's interesting you say that. I, I feel it's, uh, somewhat similar about Newcastle and the way Benita sets up. We, we always set up in, in a 4 2 3 1 formation with, with the two inside forwards uh, sort of on the wings uh, on their wrong foot so they can come in with Richie on the right and, and Goufran on the left, uh, giving sort of the fullbacks the opportunity to push up. But the, the problem with that, with, with the players, that we have is that Yedlin is, is quite quite happy to go forward and go beyond Richie, whereas on the other side, Dummett doesn't really do that. And, and that leads to a lot of our attacks being focused down the right. It, it makes us somewhat predictable. Uh, I think Steve McLaren mentioned it uh, after the, the Newcastle game. He said that they were targeting Yedlin because he goes forward more. And it, it seems like the right side of, of our defence is, is the place that other teams are going to target purely because we've, we're not we're not that balanced uh, at the moment with the players we have in those positions. But 
it's size what Benitez is doing he's, it's a formation he's been married to throughout his whole career uh, the 4-2-3-1 he, he used it at Liverpool Real Madrid Napoli he's not really one that's going to change it up too much uh, he's gone three at the back a couple of times this season mainly when he was forced to do so he, he, we did it at Brentford and we managed to get the late winner although it wasn't working that well and we sort of struggled through uh, I think we even did it against Derby last week we went back to three at the back at the end just to, to hold it out but I just think we, we're a little bit unbalanced at the moment and, and teams can see where they can attack us uh, and that's something that needs to be corrected if we did go after the Premier League because there, there there's a, uh, you know more quality in, in the league and against the bigger teams they, they'd probably find us out a bit too quickly. Um, an interesting thing I found with Benitez this year is, is that in the past he's been known to using sort of big forwards um leading the line he had Higuain at Napoli uh, Torres I guess is a little bit different he's more of a, a, a complete player but he had to him at Liverpool and that's why I thought Mitrovic would be sort of our biggest striker this season and the first choice but instead he's gone with Gale he's, he's a bit quicker a bit smaller he's not really a Benitez type of player but maybe it's he's seen what the championship is like uh, a little uh, slower defences and, and things like that and he thought that a player like Gale be much more effective in this league uh, and it'll be interesting to see if he thinks that's the case next season but yeah um, it's difficult to criticize but it, as I say I think I think we are a little bit unbalanced with the players we have in the positions uh, especially at fullback I think Dubbett is a, is a very good defender he, he always works hard it does it all for the team but at the same time he's not great going forward and it leaves us a little bit open on the right-hand side just because Yedlin's going forward. You know, we, we can't... It is, a, it is a bit of a concern how, how reliant we are on, on the right-hand side. But as I say, we are top of the league. I can't really complain too much. So just moving on to player watch now. Um, we'll start with you, Louis, on this one. Um, talk to us about a player that has, has played well and disappointed for, for Wednesday this week. I mean, it might be just... Uh, Difficult to pick a player at this point. But if you want to pick a player for Birmingham that maybe underwhelmed you uh, from what you expected as well, that, that is fine. Well, Sam Hutchinson picked up the uh, Sky Sports Man of the Match and, you know, all my hands up. Yeah, he had a fantastic game. Uh, but I'm going to go for, personally, I'm going to go for Sam Winnell. Um, Rhodes had a decent performance also, as did Fox, like I've mentioned, or Bannon did. But I'm going to go for Sam Winnell just because you could see when he scored the determination and the passion and everything he put in in the whole 90 minutes. It meant like the, the complete world to him. Um, it was interesting to see that. I, I mean, Jake, you know I'm, I'm big on my statistics, but he had, he had nine shots, uh, three on target. He scored one goal. Uh, he made two key passes. Uh, from 47 touches and 28 passes in total. And and for me, he just stood out. He didn't, you know, he, he had a few chances, like say he had nine shots and, you know, some of them went wide, but it, most of them were from his own determination to get to the ball and finding the space and then key areas where he could make a shot or, or an opportunity for somebody else. Um, and he won five key headers as well, which I thought was interesting because, you know, he, I, I think as like your roads and your winners are more, more of a goal scorer but like his headed goals he scored the most headed goals in the championship this season and, and, and he did so on Friday and, and Hunt's cross was absolutely exquisite for the goal uh, so that's his eighth headed goal this season 
Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Winall, like I say, take nothing away from the performance of Rhodes either because he had a very similar performance. Uh, but we've got, you know, very good all-round strikers now who can shoot, pass and head. Um, but if you saw his celebration win, or like I mentioned, it, it was just like an, an absolute relief for him to get on the score sheet and it, it did mean the world to him. So it's from, from a fan's point of view, and, and, and I'm sure you'd all agree, that's, that's just the, the best thing um, to see on the pitch is, is just that relief and his determination to, to actually score. And, and, you know, hope that's the first of many. Um, he scored on his home debut, so you can't ask for more. He's been quiet probably previously in in last two games but the game wasn't probably really set out for him regarding disappointing like you say it's always difficult to pick a disappointing player once you have won out gone and won three nil um but i will pick even though he never particularly did anything wrong it, it, it was just not his not his day but i'll go for forestieri i think what happened with forestieri he, he played under zola at watford and he seemed to as he was trying to get into the game he seemed to have probably two men on him um and like i say he, he couldn't get into the game he, he, he didn't have much space he, he was getting tackled and pushed around quite a bit it was you know not from lack of effort um, but he, he did hit a, or he smashed a 40 yard shot miles wide. And you could see, obviously, with it being on TV, Carvajal was, you know, not a happy bunny at that point. And he did get subbed for reach after about 65 minutes, which, you know, he, he came off and he was having a little grunt to himself and a, and a little moan asking the question why he'd been subbed. And it, like I say, it wasn't his day. That's, that's all I can put it down to. He, he's had better days. Um, but also, you know, some fans have been moaning, saying, you know, he, sh- he should be respecting the manager and coming off. But I look at it that if, if he is having a moan and a bit of a chunter, that it's it's because he wants to play. It's it's his passion. He wants to get on the score sheet. He probably saw it as an opportunity to keep playing and getting on the score sheet in that game because Reach came on and he, he obviously bagged the goal. Uh, so take nothing away from Forestieri. I'm just going to say him regarding disappointing just simply because he couldn't get into the game, uh, hence the substitution. Yeah, quick, quickly before we move on to, to you, Andy, I just want to ask Louis about uh, Sam Winnell because I saw the celebration, it, it seemed like a lot of relief, and I just want to ask uh, about what the Wednesday fans thought of the signing, purely because he came from Barnsley, uh, I've seen a lot of Barnsley fans were sort of disappointed that he, he moved to another Yorkshire club, and I just wanted to know what, what your thoughts were on, on how how Wednesday taken to him and whether there's any more pressure because he came from Barnsley. It's interesting because when we were linked with Sam Winnall, I, I was pleasantly surprised uh, because we'd also been linked with Rhodes. And when we got Winnall, I thought, well, that means that we're not getting Rhodes. But obviously we've ended up with both. But like you say, with Winnall, he's shown this season, he's, he's come f- from obviously, like you say, Barnsley and a, a team who effectively are overachieving and he's, he's put himself about and he's got his goals and he's proved himself at championship level and with him being a young player um, I can't express how much I'm pleased that we got him for the amount that we did like I mean I think we paid about half a million pound um, and I believe there is potential add-ons as time goes by you know whether how many games he plays and goal scores etc etc like there usually is and it, and it may rise to about one and a half two million pounds but for his age and his ability that it seems like I say he's, he's a good header of the ball he can shoot he can pass um, if he seemed to like I say on, on Friday night he, he fit perfectly into our squad 
Um, but regarding coming from Barnsley, there, there was a bit of friction, as you like. But it was obviously from the Barnsley fans. They didn't want him to go. We were pleased to have him. Um, you know, initially we were thinking, is he going to be a bench player, etc. But I, I think he's going to he's going to rotate between all four and five strikers, and, and they're all going to get they're all going to get game time. And, and it's it's one of them headaches, but a headache that you'd you'd be pleased to have, where if they're not performing probably going to get a game and if they're not performing or they're not scoring goals then that's when he's going to rotate and bring another player on and that can only be good for Sheffield Wednesday um, so at least we've got that you know like I say headache and an option now from the bench and other players and, and Winnells like I say is certainly going to fit into this squad and hopefully he's going to give us that push um, and take us to the Premier League, Premier League dare I say it so yeah definitely pleased to have him um, especially at his age and the price that we got him no problems at all yeah, just coming on to you now, Andy, who played well and, and disappointed for Derby against Bristol City. I guess you've probably got a lot of candidates for both, uh, probably in different halves as well. So, so who, who, what are your thoughts on this one? Um, well, well, uh, disappointing the first half, all, all, all eleven. But uh, no, I mean, to be quite honest, looking at it in the, in the broader context of uh, recent games and that, um, just over three months ago, Cyrus Christie was injured at right back which we all thought you know was a massive blow because um he, he added um good support to tom ince when attacking down the right flank and chris baird came in and uh, a lot of the fans were you know uh, not very positive to uh, say the very least because chris baird he, he came in last season he was appointed captain but he, he was he was chopped there was a chopping and changing of positions, you know, apart from right back, he'd been played out in the holding midfield role. He played at left back. He didn't have a good time of it. And uh, he became something of a target of the Derby Boo Boys. And it wasn't helped winning one game when he went off. Um, when he was taking a bit of stick from the crowd, he uh, gave him a, a little gesture. But uh, he came, he, he's come in. And uh, he's, he's done a good job um, playing at that right back position. People questioned, although defensively he could match Christie, could he add anything when we're moving forward? Now, he may not put as many balls through to Tom Ince, but they are overall of a better quality. He's got the intelligence uh, of thinking about where he's passing the ball and reading the game and it's been quite you know uh, quite a turnaround and uh, you know I'm delighted to see uh, a good old pro like Chris Baird do that I mean he, he came full and pants told me when we first signed him he's a good lad he's a good pro and finally this season he's had the chance to prove it and he has proved you know you know he, he can play a bit I will give an honourable mention though to a player well, I've been on the back of uh, recently, Jacob Butterfield. I've not been convinced by performances. We paid a lot of money for him from Huddersfield. But when he came on yesterday, he, he added an extra gear to the midfield. And uh, he played a very good game indeed. And he, he supported the attack very well. Uh, if you're looking for disappointments... A lot of our fans, ever since the signing of Abdul Kamara last year, 
have been moaning about he needs to be given a run in the team. He was a Paul Clement signing, yet he didn't play a great amount of games under Paul Clement. I, I, I don't think he actually started a game. Um, we start this season, he wasn't, didn't look to be in Nigel Pearson's plans. But he had um, a couple of good games coming on a substitute, QPR away. Superb ball put through in the middle for Tom Ince to took away. And he has shown flashes of brilliance. He's got pace, he's got a bit of ball skill, he's got a trick. But his big undoing, he is very, very lightweight. He is easily dispossessed and knocked off the ball. And he hasn't impressed as a starter. He, he, he's impressed when he's come on as, if you like, an impact sub, where his speed has been a test on the tired legs in defence. But starting a game, yet to do the business. And, uh, I, you know, I would expect a little bit more than what he is offering at the moment for the million and a half pounds or so that we spent on him. That's interesting because when he came on against Newcastle, that's that's sort of the main, the most I've seen of him. But he was very good. He put in two balls, uh, one for Anya and one for Ince. And on another day, you could have got a goal from each of those. So it's a little bit... It's a little bit surprising he's not doing as much from the start, but maybe he should maybe uh, just be used as an impact player because he he did seem to have a positive Im- Im- impact on the game when we played last week. So it'd be interesting to see how that one develops. But um, yeah, for, for Newcastle uh, yesterday, uh, it's difficult to pick somebody that disappointed. Uh, I'd probably say Mo Diame, uh, not because he, he he played badly, just because things didn't really go off for him. He's our main sort of creative outlet, I'd say. He's very good at beating players and playing balls in and creating chances, and he didn't really do too much of that. So he was a little bit underwhelming, but at the same time, he worked hard and did his bit. It wasn't like the team carried him or anything. It was just in attack, it didn't really go for him. Impressed, it's difficult to look beyond either Jamal LaSales or Kieran Clark. I'll, I'll, I'll go for Jamal LaSales. I, he got dropped for the game against Derby. He he came on as a late sub, but I think he had a little bit of an injury. But I think that was maybe a, a bit of a story to say why he was dropped, because it's always odd to drop your captain. But he's come back into the team. Uh, after some poor games, he was excellent against Derby. Uh, got the assist for the goal with a nice flick. Uh, was was dominant in the air. It didn't look like anything was going to beat him all game. So that was really good to see because it's it's always difficult for a player of his age to sort of get the captaincy. Uh, I know I know we're a championship club, but we are still a relatively big club in England, and it was a big opportunity for him when he was given it to uh, the captaincy, especially by a manager like Benitez. That sort of faith in him, and it's been a mixed period. I'd say he's he's been okay on the pitch I'd say he's been good for a lot of games but he's had he's had struggles he was targeted by QPR a couple of weeks ago and and gave the ball up in in our own half several times but he is slowly developing and I think he's a player that is going to have a big future in the game uh, hopefully he'll stay at Newcastle for quite a long time because it'll be it'll be nice to have sort of like an English centre half as our captain for a while. I, I quite like him, uh, and it's good to see him come back in after being dropped and give such a good display. I think you've got you got the Sky Sports Man of the Match, and, and it was well deserved. But before we wrap up today, I just want to quickly preview our games in the week. Um, we'll start with you, Andy. You, you, you've got a home match against Cardiff, who are obviously coming into it after. On, 
on a relative high after their result of the weekend. What are your thoughts on this one? Well, Cardiff City, uh, it's us versus uh, Neil Warnock again. Um, we played Cardiff earlier on in the season, obviously under a different manager, and we won quite comfortably. That was just after Nigel Pearson had been suspended. Uh, different kettle of fish this time. The thing is, uh, with Neil Warnock, you can never underestimate his sides, no matter what run of form they're on. He always does his homework. He knows how to target a club's weaknesses and how to exploit them. And, uh, you know, to be honest, he, he, he's he, he's one of those uh, characters in the game you either love or hate. I actually like Neil Warnock. I've read both his books and he speaks a lot of sense. You know, he, he really understands the game and he understands on how to get the most out of what you've got. If you've got restricted funding, he's the sort of manager that can go and... Uh, get the players to put in that extra 10, 20% that they need to. And we have a bit of history with Neil Warnock. Um, a few seasons ago, 92 minutes had gone. Uh, we were beating QPR 2-0, seemed to be cruising to a home three points. And within three minutes, had pulled two goals back. Then uh, we go to last season away at Rotherham, where Neil Warnock had uh, been brought in to uh, keep them up. 3-0 up, you know, uh, going to the latter stages of the game. And you've guessed it, he pulled three goals back. And uh, that's why I'm very, very cautious playing his teams. I am, I'm expecting that we should win the game, but uh, I think it's going to be a really tough game. Um, they're going to make us work for every ball. And, you know, but I'm, I'm fancying something like a 2-1 win. Yeah, and for you, Louis, uh, Sheffield Wednesday got a, a home match against Blackburn Rovers. Me and Andy will tell you, even though it, it Blackburn position in the league, they can beat you on their day. Uh, what are your thoughts on this one? You, I'm guessing you're optimistic. I'm optimistic, but I completely agree with what you just said. It's, it's going to be one of them games, what I've talked about earlier, where I've said Birmingham came at us when we played them on Friday night and we won 3-0. Blackburn, they may try and count, uh, catch us on the counter-attack. Um, I don't expect us to you know, win 3-0, but I also, at home, expect us to win in any way, shape or form, and we will be favourites. Um, I know, like you've just said, Blackburn, despite where they are, they have only actually scored two goals less than what we have done this season. Sheffield Wednesday, I think we scored 39 and they've scored 37. So they are actually scoring goals, it's just not, obviously they're conceding them. Um, I think Sam Gallagher and Danny Graham have scored 23 goals between them this season also, so we need to be wary of those. And we have got a good defensive record. Uh, Craig Conway is decent on the wing for them also. So, like I say, it's, it's going to be very interesting. Um, I expect Wednesday to win. I'm going to go and you know stick my neck out and say that Wednesday will win 2-1 on the night, uh, just like Andy predicted for Derby. Um, but it could be, like I say... It, Blackburn, I'm expecting them to maybe come and play the very, very defensive role and try and catch us on the counter, like like a lot of teams do. We, you know, we're fighting for their lives, like Blackburn are. Um, but yeah, it, I'd, I'd take a victory any any way, shape, or form. Like I said, but if you know, if I'm putting money on it, I'd, I would go with a Wednesday two-one win. 
And Newcastle have got a trip to Norwich, which is going to be an interesting one, purely because we've played each other quite a lot in, in the last few years. And it's always been a game that has a lot of goals in it. Uh, last season, the Premier League at St. James Park, we beat them 6-2. Uh, and then at Carrow Road, we lost 3-2. And then earlier in this season, it was 4-3. You know, there's a lot of goals in this game. It'll be interesting to see how it, how it plays out. I don't, I'm not expecting that again, purely because we're a lot better defensively now and uh, Norwich haven't been scoring as freely as they you know were at the start of the season despite you know scoring five in their last game uh, it's it's going to be difficult it's got that extra edge for me as a Newcastle fan purely because the game last season in the Premier League uh, Benitez was our manager uh, it was in the last 10 games and where we were both scrapping to stay up and, and they got that win it seemed like it was that result that sent us down I, it was after that game that I, I was completely resigned to, to, to getting relegated. So it, it's a little bit, a little bit of extra edge there. Hopefully we can go there and get a win and record the double. And and for Norwich as well, there's, there's a little bit of sort of revenge purely for the for the game earlier this season because they they were three one up with about twenty minutes to play, and we managed to get uh, get back to three two and then scored two goals in in injury time. So it, on another day, if if Norwich if closed out that game and got the win, it could be us in seventh and, and them in first. It's, it, it seemed like it was that day that the mentality switched for both clubs where we sort of decided we, we, we would go and win this league and, and that we'd push on and Norwich really suffered after that game. So it's a lot of ment- sort of mental things going on in, in this game, but they've been good recently. They've climbed to seventh. A lot of people are th- talking about them for the playoffs. They've only lost one in our last eight championship matches. Uh, and that came against Rotherham, which seems a bit of an outlier to me. So it'll be interesting. I I think we're going to win. Um, I think that we've they've sold a couple of their good players in January. We we've you know not lost anyone. We're we're on a high. We're, we're sort of getting to grinding results out and finding our form again. And we're going to have the hopefully we're going to have the partnership of Shelby and Gale. And I think we really lost once when they started together. So all that coming in, I think we're going to get another away win and it's going to be another sort of scrappy 1-0 one, or 2-1. It's not going to be pretty, but I think we'll get the, get the points and sort of keep ourselves at the top of the table. But we are out of time for today. So if you both want to tell people where they can reach you or anything you're involved in, now would be a good time. I am Louis Shackshaft. Uh, so you can catch me if you want to tweet me on Twitter. My handle is at Louis Shackshaft. I represent... Sheffield Wednesday, obviously on here, the podcast, and I write for Shoot Football. Um, I represent Sheffield Wednesday writing their articles, and I'm also big on Sheffield Wednesday statistics, if you want to check those out. Hi, I'm Andy Buckley-Taylor, representing Derby County on the podcast. My Twitter handle is at BuckTaylor64, and you can find uh, my blog on the various newspaper sites, Derbyshire Times, uh, Belper News, Hucknall Dispatch, uh, Ilkeston Advertiser, amongst others. And you can get my Twitter at Jake Jackman with two N's. I wrote for EPL Index and the Boot Room, mainly about the Premier League, but a little bit on Championship as well. And I just want to thank Andy and Louis again for coming on. I just want to thank you all for listening, and we hope you join us again soon. Wow. 
when your skin feels nourished and glows. You radiate confidence. Osea makes giving your skin a glow up easy with their clean, clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This seaweed-powered duo features two of Osea's best sellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.